Well, good evening and welcome back to this week's episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. Roscoe here, your host, and uh, soon to be eagerly joined by the two men of the moment, uh, Rocket Rodney Heron and Magic Mike Caridi. Uh, busy men, I actually read Mike's name in a magazine uh, today, uh, fresh out of the Golf Digest. We might get the chance to talk about why Mike's name's popped up in a magazine. Uh, Rocket, he's had a flash 24-hour visit to Melbourne. Uh, didn't go his way in terms of the Anzac Day football, but uh, he probably won't want to talk about that. But I'm looking forward to catching up with my two favourite golf podcast guys for another episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, thanks for all the feedback, the support, the shares. We love it. We appreciate it. And uh, it means the world to us. Uh, our group that uh, is out there listening, uh, we're a small collective, but we're a growing collective. And uh, the guys that do share their stuff uh, that we put out, uh, we really do appreciate it. So thanks. We'll bring the guys in. But uh, right now, it's time for the tune. Gentlemen, I, I don't know why I do that. I, I started announcing the tune. Oh, right now I'm going to play the music. I don't know. I apologise in advance uh, in arrears to the listeners why I'd introduce the music. I don't know. But anyway, um, Rocket won't let me take it out. Uh, we don't need to change it. But uh, Rocket, how are you? <laughs> I got it. You all right? You yeah, good? Oh, I'm good. I'm going to have the extra husky radio voice for oh, this episode. Deep and deep and... Mm. Deep and dulcet, uh, Rocket. Uh, Rocket, uh, if you tune into the YouTube, um, you will see Rocket's background. Uh, I'll describe it to you. It's Rocket's uh, wonderful face, smiling face, and uh, his beautiful silver uh, headphones, uh, the right one of which is covering uh, sharks, nether regions. Uh, his background, he's got that naked photo of shark um, just about to bust a cobra driver, and of course in the trademark straw shark hat. So obviously we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, ESPN 30 for 30, which we've all digested and watched. Uh, there's probably a lot more to talk about the shark, you know, with uh, the announcements of uh, the Live Golf and, and over there in the, his kickoff event in June. Uh, we've got last week's uh, RBC Heritage to talk about. Not too many exciting results in the world of, of global golf, but uh, Mike got a couple of tips uh, pretty close to the mark. Talk about uh, a few other bits and bobs. So, Mike, how are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Excellent. Firing up. Big week ahead. Big uh, big golf grand final this weekend. So, Is that the, G- is the GMGA golf grand final? Yep. Grand final is Saturday uh, for Rocket, who's in in uh, in Brisbane. We're getting fifteen to thirty mil and twenty kilometer an hour winds and up gusts up to thirty. So it'll be <coughs> fantastic. Ah, <laughs> oh, but it won't, it's not going to stop you, Mike, is it? It's not going to stop you for busting out. That it will take more. There. It will take more than that to stop you, wouldn't it? Well, I have already been to Drummond in the last few years and bought a new waterproof jacket and waterproof pants and I have a uh, Titleist Star Dry uh, bag, so I'm ready to rumble. Why don't you go to fill the, the dry gloves and go double? I've got those Go, go Tommy. Go Tommy <laughs> I've got those gloves. <laughs> I've got the Callaway. Uh, uh, yes, i got the Callaway, oh, Callaway uh, waterproof gloves. Waterproof gloves. So you've got cheek yeah. gloves with the cheek, cheek gloves. Oh, the come cheek on. Let's, we're officially dropping that. Got a call from Callaway Senior Management the other day. Going, Ross, you know, we love you talking about our product, but you know, can we, we We know what happened. You know, It's all right. We all know about that. Just just stop calling it those words. Stop using those words, all right? It goes a very long way, that um, driver. Rocket, as you probably already know, Mike is the most prepared golfer not only in the GMGA, I, I would 
put that I would put a lot of money on that. But he's one of the most prepared golfers that I know. So he is really? ready. I reckon. I reckon you you are. You know, like the I very, am ready. Yeah, the very fact that you've got the stay dry tightlist. You've got the what what brand of um wet weather gear do you have? I've got a uh, Foot Joy jacket. Yep, which yeah, I really best. like. They're the best. And uh, the pants I don't wear too often because I wear shorts all the time. And I'm not really fast if my legs get a bit wet. Yeah, fair enough. Um, well, um, he's prepared. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, while we're talking about the GMGA, so I'll just sort of announce, you know, what that is. The people that have been listening for a while will know that you are one of the central figures of, you know, one of Melbourne's many great uh, social golf clubs. Um, it's a great part of the, the golf scene, not only in Melbourne, but around, you know, the societies, golf um, social groups is whatever you call them some of which organise their own handicaps, but they're usually a bunch of guys, girls, guys and girls, you know, your ones, you know, all, all blokes, but um, they come together, you know, maybe a couple of times a month, they put schedules together. The people that organise it put wonderful amounts of hard work into it organising. I know the sort of level of detail that uh, your guys go to, Mike, and it really is a really um, great part of the golf scene in Melbourne, really important part. I know some of the social groups are under a bit of pressure uh because their membership are growing, but, you know, getting tea times has been hard and all of that sort of thing. So, um, you know, if you are one of the golf courses out there that do listen to this, you know, keep looking after the social clubs because we need them. We need them as part of the golf uh, scene. Uh, Mike, the GMGA, it's got a great logo. It looks like the PGA Tour logo. It says GMGA. It's it's a lot of fun. Uh, what's on, on What's the stakes this weekend? What's up for grabs? Up for grabs? Well, the main, the main uh, we play for a jacket. So it's a blue jacket with our logo embroidered on it, which is our number so, one. So That's what good. you want. And the rules that come with it are effectively, if you've got the jacket and you've, you've won it and you've earned it, then pretty much anyone that's in earshot that is part of the group pretty much needs to buy you a drink at any given time. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean after the round. That could be to go into the races next week, wear the jacket. You're more than welcome and then you'll be drinking for free all day. So that's If you main. wear the jacket. Oh, my God. So we're in Sorrento this weekend. So if you're at the Sorrento Hotel and you do see someone walking around in a jacket, if it's me, don't don't ask me for a beer because I won't be buying any beers. But um, if you do see someone, make sure you pat them on the back and congratulate them. There is cash prizes. There's a trophy. So it's a, it's a big event. It's our 10th year this year. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big one. We've probably got about, I think we've got about 20-something playing in the final. Uh, effectively, it's 10 tournament season. Normally starts just after the AFL Grand Final and runs normally up until Easter, but we're a bit later with COVID late start. Um, and we've got a staggered start. So effectively over the year, you have your, your Stableford wins and you get like Formula One, you get points and the leaders go off in the last group and they have a, a we play Stableford on the day, but if you are in the number one seed, you start on 10 Stableford points. So effectively, um, the boys that are in the last group are off 10, 8, I think 6 and 6. And then the second to last group, we're all off four. And then it sort of drops down to a few boys that are off twos and threes and zero. So like a FedEx Cup style points advantage. Yep. FedEx Cup FedEx Cup final. So there's a net and a gross. But no wonder. No wonder. No wonder Rory McElroy and John Rahm are spurring away the advances from Live Golf because they're just waiting for the money for, for the GMGA to get and the and the TV rights yeah, to big be enough. at the right point. They're like, <laughs> we're coming down under. That's it for the blue jacket. Well, we do. We've already got. Well, Scotty, one of the members, he was on. Um, he's featured this week on uh, we'll, we'll Dowie's show. Yeah, we'll talk. We'll get to that. That's as close as we've got to TV. Well, but um, no, it's, it's going to be a big, big night, and we all stay down in Sorrento for the night, Sorrento pub, and then there. But we we travel around for the final. We sort of go you around have everywhere. The vanilla slice. It depends. If I win, I'll have lots of beer, 
and I'll think about food later. If I lose, I'll be eating ice cream and chocolate, vanilla slice, definitely. The vanilla slice from the place up the on the main oh, the, street from is, the main street. Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. a it's not a vanilla slice. It's a vanilla slab. It's that big. <laughs> hey, um. The, the tradition that you talk about, the blue jacket, and if you have the blue jacket on, everyone that's part of that group has to buy you a drink. That's how I remember growing up. We talked about Cessnock Golf Club uh, and Cessnock last week and in, in remembering Jack Newton. Uh, they had the, the monthly – it wasn't a monthly medal. It was a monthly mug, and you got a pewter mug, you know, like the same one as we all got. We, we had that one. At any time, if you turned up with your mug and just whacked it down in front of someone, they had to fill it. Yep. So not only on the night that you won the monthly mug, uh, you know, you – Proudly got to prance around that every night that you chose to drink at the golf club and whack it down and, and just share it around and people had to fill it up and that's that's how you rolled for the month and away you went. I didn't play golf there when I was eighteen, so I never won a monthly a monthly mug. Um, all I got to win alcohol wise was I want to remember the Johnny Walker hole in one and the you guys won't remember because it was a long time probably before you were even playing golf. But Johnny Walker used to sponsor the hole in one competition. It was like in part of like the magazine type thing and you know you got a, a certificate from johnny walker and you got a bottle of scotch yeah. i 1987 i had my first hole in one first and only uh, i was too young but the the guys that i was playing with took the bottles bottle of scotch they were very happy the two young fe- two young fellas that were 18 they were they were wrapped because they knew i couldn't get it so that was like two half bottles of scotch let's go um <laughs> anyway uh we were going to talk about 30 for 30 uh the greg norman but you know we, you mentioned Scotty McGregor, uh, mm. the great man Scotty McGregor. Um, what TV show was Scotty part of? Was he was he what, part of the Neighbours crew or Home Yeah, so Scotty was on Neighbours for 10 years yeah. up until recently and um, he's done a bunch of other things. People would have seen him on TV before, um, Underbelly and a few other things, yeah. So he featured on uh, Your Golf Show, which is proudly sponsored by Drummer Golf and Big Swing Golf. Uh, he was one of the, the participants playing with Gowie yeah. uh, last night. How do you reckon? He he, how do you reckon he went? Let's let's give uh, Scotty, Scotty McGregor <laughs> he, a thirty for thirty rap. Or he, review. Um, he gave us fair warning. So um, oh, that the uh, copper, yes, yeah, the copper. That's it. Rem- uh, Mark Neighbors. Brennan. Yeah, yeah. He died um, and come back. He he did. He did. <laughs> I don't watch the show, but I have been told that. Not but that I've again, seen I, the show or anything. To be fair, I've travelled with him. I've been overseas with him, and it's it's amazing how many people watch Neighbours and well, know who no, he is. Yeah, because he, he had the fake his death because yep. he went undercover for like a year or so, <laughs> and then he and then he came back after he finished whatever assignment it was. In fairness, well, in fairness, not, we should have not, had not that I've watched Neighbours. Yeah, you should have. Yeah, but we should have had Scotty on. Like you should have, we should have had him down here and sitting on the screen talking about <laughs> us through his appearance with Gary. Um, but yeah. anyway, how, how did he go with uh, Gary? He said he was pretty nervous, and it came across in the show. He was. Um, his forte isn't chipping by his own admission, so he, there was a bit tricky to throw him in the, down the uh, Yarra Bend. It's a par five, I want to say, around 14th, right down the bottom there, and had to have a couple of chips, and he didn't do too well with the chipping. He's, he's a couple of shots off the um, into the par five went pretty well, and he did pretty well with the longest drive, but I think it was more just um, it was just good to have good to have someone on TV that, you, that you've seen before. I know Pat did Pappenhausen did the two episodes before, and I think Daisy Thomas had done the one in the middle. So he was the third man up. Yeah, yeah. Paps did the first one, uh, coming third in the in the um, nearest to pin challenge. Uh, mm. Although Scotty's coming second by virtue of having a big backstop up there after sitting it through. But yeah, you know, he said- was a bit stiff. He's like Scotty's Scotty's handicap. I think he said it was about thirteen. Now I'm I sort of floated around nine, ten for a long time, but. If we went out and played ten rounds of golf, 
we would split it down the middle, absolutely no worries. Like, and I've, I've played golf with him where he shot, you know, he played to a three or four handicap. But, um, yeah, like everybody else, you have good days and bad days, and I think you just probably save one of his um, poor chipping days for one that was going to be on TV, so he's a bit stiff. The interesting thing, obviously, the chipping and poor chipping, and Scotty, if you listen, and hopefully you do, um, thank you for it. Uh, I empathise with the chipping. It's The listeners know it's not my forte, and, yeah, I've subscribed to every different coach's theories on chipping, uh, during the journey, you know, I've got a coach in my store that, you know, just walks past me and watches me chipping in the um, big swing simulators and just laughs and shakes his head, at, you know, because he says, well, it looks different to last week. It looks different to the week before, the week before that, and the week before that. I can't help you anymore, mate. Um, you know, you know, I was doing a bit of work with Dom and that made sense to me. And then I've got Mike Ferroni that I've always get a bit of a sort of heads up from. And then you read all the stuff, you know, like like everyone, you know, I go to YouTube or I go to online and I see all this stuff and it's prolific in the uh, online world, you know, any instruction. What I say to Scotty is, you know, Paul Gow's way is different to the other coach's way, is different to every other coach's way. So he's clearly got some work to do. He's got to find something that works better than the current way that he chips. I get that. If Gowie's way, and it makes sense to me, um, but I know another coach would do something different. You know, if it didn't make sense, you know, just find someone that can can help you your way. And if that didn't make sense, you know, try, no, some, think, try something else. Yeah, you're right. I think it's a good – I mean, look, obviously that's the whole point of the show is having – they find something that you're not great at and then they he gives you a, a lesson on the on the show. And I, to be honest, I don't think I've, I've seen him chip that badly for a while. So I think he was just literally just stiff. But I think um, Scotty probably summed it up. He's probably at the point now where he's – He's probably not one to get one-on-one lessons. I think yeah. I think he might even talk to Marcus about getting some chipping lessons okay. or some lessons down at down at PK. But I think it's just more than a thing. Just likes getting out and having a hit. And he's in the number two seed this week. It's in the final, so oh, really? he can't be he can't be going too badly. Uh, Scotty, if you want to double up on the um, Marcus Fraser lesson package, I'm happy to join you down there. I spoke to Fraser. <laughs> I spoke to Fraser the other week about uh, getting some face-to-face instruction on the the surrounds of PK and I think that for me that's a big thing you know like having getting taught on the surrounds that I play at week in week out so Fraser's down there had some new signs going up today he's got P- the PK Academy signs mounted um any you know speaking of PK uh I sent you a picture today I'm, I've scoped out several entry points uh off the main roads um that the big entryways can be uh, erected um Fed that back to Mike Cocking. Uh, I found a car park, a very extensive car park. <coughs> if we get them, get the tournament arranged in school holidays, just over the back there, there's a school. There's two. There's actually two schools within, like one's joining the border. Um, you could fly the helicopters in there. You can park a thousand million cars in there. Fantastic. So, really, from uh, that side, Mike, I've d- done my bit. I've done a couple of flyovers with the drone. Um, so the when you said you were looking and you found that spot, yeah. Were you looking for your ball in the in the trees or no? It's at the back. How did you find it? It's at the back. It's at the, the cricket oval. The, the you know they've been playing cricket and footy there for years. Like you'd be teeing off on the thirteenth uh, north, and um, you know you're in the middle of the backswing, and all of a sudden you get the you know the siren for you know the third quarter. Um, so they it's a school and they've got ovals over there. So there's a thousand car parks there. Beautiful, just straight off Sky Road. Easy. Um, the number of messages mm. that I got 
just directly to me post the podcast the other week asking about, geez, it sounded tense when you're talking about <laughs> PK, especially when Mike Mike's just dropped a few bombs. And I said, that's nothing. You should see our group chat. <laughs> Drop any bombs? He just uh, you know went, no. went, went with the easy way. What you know? I, I, no, no. I, I, I am, and by hand up, I am the person that will always go to logic and infrastructure. Doesn't matter whether we're talking about this or anything else. That's what I do every the day. The messages I got were like, "Oh my god, I heard it! I can't wait to go and see Ross's the look on Ross's face Ross on the YouTube, shaping up on the YouTube <laughs> feed." You should see our group chat. I'm getting touchy now. Um, <laughs> yeah, but Mike, can you stop sending me like the stop by stop <laughs> slowest <laughs> slowest train journey? Yeah, from Melbourne to Frankston. Hey, um, I just I, I thought one day you might be at Flinders Street and need to get the train to Frankston, and I just thought I'd send it to you and show you how many stops there were. Mate, I know I did that train journey for <laughs> five years, mate. You know, I've fallen asleep at every stop. You know, I've parked my car at Cannonook Station and ended up at Frankston several times. So I know, <laughs> I know the journey. Don't worry. No, um, I'll be driving anyway, no matter what happens. I'm quickly go yes. back to Mister McGregor's chipping or Sergeant Brennan. Yep. Um. My, my my tip, my tip would be, um, just grab a bag of balls, go somewhere where you can just throw them all around a green, and just do that a couple of times a week. Spend a couple of hours just chipping, and don't be afraid to hit skull shots, fat ones, thin ones, whatever it is, and just that's that's the easiest way to fix your chipping is chip more. I did because that. it's all touch. It yeah. is it is more touch than a putter. Touch and confidence. That's for yep. me. Like I, I, yep. I was hitting a few. Actually, I think it was Ross's fault. I was hitting a few. I don't. I'm touch wood. I'm actually a pretty good chipper. And when we had fitted the other week, oh, the other week, it was three months ago, four months ago, Ross was talking about something with the wedges, and I was knackered. And I hit a few, and I absolutely hosled a couple. And I'm like, what is going on here? And then I went out to play the next time, and I did it again. I'm like, where did this come from? I haven't done this in ten years. And so what I did was went down to my local. What he did said put ten or fifteen golf balls on the ground, and was just chipping and hitting these little little spinners and just going right. No, nah, I got I, I know I'm I'm more comfortable. I know where I'm going to sit this ball and hands need to feel like this and just hit a few off. And I'm like right no, nah, and then it's been fine ever since. Like you said, just just practice and my yeah. my yeah, joke. Just think, just think, chipping is going to be less pressure than investigating Paul Lasseter. Um, <laughs> he for, do watch his show, don't you? <laughs> Scotty McGregor okay. has to listen now. Um, no, no, I'm gonna have to send it to him. It's gonna. It, it is chipping will be less pressure than trying to investigate Paul Lasseter for all the dodgy things that he did over the 30 years. <laughs> okay. Uh, I do a lot of golf club fittings, as you both know. I've I've lost count with how many uh, people I've fit for golf clubs from beginners through to you know reasonably qualified golfers, and. But with the beginners to intermediate golfers, you know, when we're doing the driver, which is obviously a really important one for to get right, you know, everyone wants to hit it longer and straighter. Uh, yeah, we see some interesting driver swings. And my job isn't to, I'm not a coach, my job isn't to coach when you're doing a fitting, but sometimes I want the player to experience what hitting the driver like with the fullest effect is possible. And just to get that one centred strike with the best possible launch and carry, and then, then they can go and do and put whatever swing they want on it. But I want them to feel what that's like with the right shaft and so on and so forth. Um, and sometimes that requires me to maybe do a few tweaks to 
um, obviously set up, you know, I think set up's the most important thing for the driver. So if I can change someone who's, or, you know, this is someone who's got a fair degree of efficacy anyway, but just change the setup and be a little bit of the spine angle, a little bit of the shoulder tilt, a little bit of the alignment, a little bit of the concept of how the club's entering into the, um, the hitting zone and just to get that sort of feeling and you see people go, wow, that's great, you know. Okay, well, let's, you, you can do it once, so repeat it, and then all of a sudden, you know, we've got another 30 metres, and it's not come from the golf club, it's come from delivering the club effectively. Uh, and then we get into the other clubs, the irons, and, we, and you know, when we get to the chipping, I say, look, you, you've got some chipping issues, you know, I'll get you the right bounce and grind and all that sort of thing, but I can't help you, mate. And if I start giving you chipping advice, run. Just just run and don't come back. And um, my, point, my point is, you know, you don't give up, Scotty. Um, I, and this is my theory on, on what with my chipping. You know, you said to Gowie, uh, you go for the putter. And I was that guy that went for the putter. I went for the hybrid. I went for the three wood. Yeah, and my mates at Mornington, you know, would walk off the second tee. And I probably told the story. Yeah, I'd be walking off the second tee and I'd be a metre off the green, off the tee. And, and they're walking past laughing going, just ride him in for a five. Because they just knew that I had this terrible reliability. I couldn't get the ball on the green from two meters away. Yeah, I, but I yeah. didn't give up. I, I've not I'm not given against. Up. I'm not against people putting. Like I'll do it. I think it comes down to what you're comfortable with. I see a lot of golfers and good golfers, like better golfers than me, that automatically go to a wedge and they're two feet off the green. Be, oh, of course. And they, and they'll literally be like, "That's what I see the pros do on TV." And they're trying to hit this little shot, and they end up eight feet away. And I'll get a putter out and hit it to two feet, and I'll be like, "I'm not fast. I don't care how pretty this is. If I can get this close, I don't care." Of, um, of course, but I think what happens for people, you know, and I've been in and still am somewhat in this position where, you know, you just want to avoid trying to put the lofted club on it. So you will go for the, yeah. Yeah. you'll go for a longer along the ground thing, and sometimes that's not as that's not easy as well. But well, um, if you want to, I mean, he won't be listening to this either, but there's another, and I don't want to make this all about the GMGA in our 10th year, but there is one boy in our golf group, Michael Dinatale, I'll call him out. He actually, at one point, used to carry three putters in his bag. I don't know why, and two three woods, and he will putt from 80 metres out. <laughs> I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. Under a tree, putt it out. Doesn't want to chip, putt it out. <laughs> it's the best. We'll go off on another tangent. Um Scotty, you're more than welcome to join us on the podcast at any stage. If you want to jump on, I'd love to have you on as a guest, uh, whether for an interview about your golf uh, one-on-one or with the guys. No problems, Scotty. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, the g- club pro guy that made that uh, club, the, did you have you seen? I don't. It? I don't. I'm not a. I don't rate club pro guy. I don't follow him at all. I don't follow him at all. But uh, Chris. Golf guy seventy seven Chris over there in the states, you know our friend who we've all played with. Uh, he bought the Club Pro guys. Oh, I forget what it's called, but it's a three sided club, and the the third side is the toe side, and it's called the Camel Toe. And um, <laughs> he recently posted something where he sent the club for USGA approval. <laughs> I'll, I'll dig up the letter. It was so funny. Probably everyone's seen it, but anyway, um, you're talking about chipping. Oh, I haven't seen it. So. I, I, Talking about chipping and putting and hitting it on the ground, that just reminded me of, you know, like we sell a lot of chippers. A lot of people resort to the chipper. But, you know, like. Hold I, a seven iron. Well, I, I, I've, 
I've grip picked- down on the shaft, down to the bottom, and it's called a seven iron, and use a putting stroke, and you're done. Easy exactly. To, easy to say. Easy to say when you when you've got the when you don't have the chipping hips. Uh, but I've many a time seven iron. I've many a time walked past the chipping stroke. I've many a time walked past the chippers and gone, should I? Shouldn't I? Should I? No. Shouldn't I? Should <laughs> no. I? And no. I've, I've obviously always gone with the shouldn't I? I shouldn't. But seven iron grip down. Use a very stiff arm putting stroke, and you are fine. Some people, some people have great success with the chipper. Uh, anyway, I don't know how we got onto that. Um, talking about uh, PK, um, going back to that, I just see Mike and I had the magazine somewhere. Uh, there it is. Um, we should talk about this uh, today's ep- uh, episode. Today's um, uh, mail turned up. Uh, there's a Golf Digest magazine uh, on sale tomorrow. On sale tomorrow. So, did you get yours today? Yep, I got mine yesterday. Um, Turned is up, your name in it? No, it's not actually. I'm part of the other, go- other golf uh, <laughs> top rate. This is the quality you get, uh, listeners. You get two of uh, the golf magazines, um, top 100 panellists on this podcast. I'm not sure there's many other podcasts where uh, represented both magazines in Australia that do top 100 ratings, um, representing both magazines. Um, but I t- turned up today, uh, Peninsula Kingswood number five went up a position. So thanks to all of the uh, Golf Digest um uh, crew uh, that helped P- Peninsula Kingswood go up the rankings to number five. Um, I'm just trying to remember where I ranked it. That doesn't matter. Number one, Royal Melbourne West. Surprise, surprise. Uh, number two was a bit of a surprise for, for me. I, I thought that Kingston Heath, it's not a surprise, but it is a surprise. Kingston Heath, number two. Um, number three, what was number three? Bumbugle Dunes? Yep. Number four was uh, Wickham. Kate Wickham, and then number five, Peninsula Kingswood. Yep. Rocket? I, I didn't – I didn't – sorry, just before okay. I ask, I, I didn't visit um, RM or Kingston Heath in the period for rating, so I didn't rate them. So okay. of the ones that I rated, though, in the list that I had, that's funny because it matches up exactly. Barney, Dunes, Wickham, PK North. Bang, bang, bang. Rocket, when I yell out those five courses to you um, – you know, how does that sit with you? Yep. Yeah? Yep. Okay. No arguments. Uh, what was the top 10, Mike? No, oh, I don't have them. I don't have it in front of me. In that middle page it is. Yeah, I've got it here. Yeah, so what's 6, six to 10? Um, okay, let's, let's go through the top 10 of the Golf Digest. Uh, so now. number 10 is Royal Adelaide. Number 9 yep. is Victoria. Number eight is, 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 is. Can you say which one went up and which one, or if they stayed steady? Can no change. Royal Adelaide was ten, so that was that up. It, up one. It went up one. Victoria stayed uh, the same. Royal Melbourne East at number eight stayed the same. Bamboogle Lost Farm number seven stayed the same. New South Wales moved down a position. Uh, number five Peninsula Kingswood North seemed to have swapped with uh, New South Wales to number five. Bamboogle Dunes stayed at number four. Cape Wickham came down from position two, and Kingston Heath was elevated to position number two. Uh, so Cape Wickham three, Kingston Heath two, and Royal Melbourne West by uh, Alistair McKenzie, 1931. And then uh, Tom Doak ongoing, uh, listed as the consulting architect uh, ongoing uh, there, um, in number one. Mm. Um, what was 11? National Mooner. Ooh, 12? Metro. Metro. Yeah, Metro used to be like five. Yeah, there's so many new courses that came in the last What about, um, was 13? 
ocean dunes. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. 14? Cathedral. Don't okay. Haven't seen that. Um, 15? Gunnamatta, uh, National Gunnamatta. Yeah, that makes sense. And then Peninsula Kingswood South. So that moved, Peninsula Kingswood South was noted as moving um, up four positions, uh, rightly so, in my opinion. Yep. Um, but obviously, at that top end of the tree, you know, it's fairly stacked with. And high. then after South? Uh, south was Lake Karen up. Uh, yep. So just quickly rounding out the top 20 uh, Lake Karen up at number 17, number 18, the Lakes, number 19, the National Old, and number 20, uh, Kuyonga. Like Kuyonga, yeah. Kuyonga in South Australia, over in uh, yep. in the in the sand belt of uh, Adelaide. Yeah, Met- Met- Metro's problem is that probably just needs a bit of a bit more love again. Well, it, it, there's 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 a couple holes that probably just they don't work anymore, and it probably just needs a bit of a. Oh, it's not. It's not a redesign or a re-architect. It just needs some. It just needs a little bit of love. I know they were trying to do that on the first. There's a couple of holes they were tweaking last time I played it, which was like about five or six years ago. And I know that one of the challenges that they had is that because of the condition the course was in, I'm, I'm pretty confident that we stole a couple of their head greenkeeper guys. So I think conditioning-wise, it, it copped a bit during the drought season, like for 2016, 2017, 2018. Um, and I think it's kind of just fell a little bit out of love. And we, obviously PK um, hasn't helped that. But at the same time, if you, you know, caught um, – Yes, I'm a member at PK, but the the call it the bias, but as a as a venue, it's the North Course is just amazing. I've played it when I was before it was renovated, and and then I played it afterwards, and it's yeah, it's something something special. Uh, if you want to see a little video of the South Course, the first hole of flyover, I've put well, I've got one on my Instagram there. I've just practicing the drone and just uh, popped up the other Sunday night. That no, wasn't too bad. Good yeah, fun. we'll have to we'll have to wait till next year for um, the Eagle video shot. Then we'll have to try and reenact it, Mike. Which hey, I've driven the green twice in morning and afternoon. I don't know that I could do it again. So I don't know if you saw what I posted about your, yeah, your yeah, little yeah, flyover, yeah. Ross. I did. Yes, uh, yes. Just, to, just to paint the picture for people listening going, oh, they're having an internal chat again. Uh, I was flying the drone. Uh, on my way to posting a four over par 76 at, um, you know, Barnboogle uh, Dunes, by the way, first round, um, cold start. Um, camera in hand, drone in the other hand. Yeah, got to the whole four. Uh, thought I'll put this up now because it's that, you know, the hole that everyone loves to see with the massive bunker, the biggest bunker in the Southern Hemisphere. Sun's coming up. Sun's coming up. It's just perfect. Um, Mike's br- putting for an eagle. Mike's just perfect. Yeah, so I've got some time because, you know, Mike's on, already on the green. So, um, and I'm flying the drone, buzzing it around. I thought I'll get that shot and I'll fly it up and then I'll fly it down and do all that sort of stuff. And um, they're putting out while I'm flying the drone. Did you get the eagle putt? Uh, eagle putt. Oh, really? Yeah, um, probably, not sure. Uh, it was the only part of the group that I didn't get. Mike's eagle on four at uh, Barnbeagle Dunes. What you missed was Rocket galloping across the green to high-five me. 
That was probably more before impressive. the ball was going in. <laughs> that was more impressive than the putt. <laughs> but at that time, I had a lovely close up of the ocean. Oh, yeah. No. Sorry, guys. Um. Anyway, hobbies. Okay. Well, we filled enough space. Uh, thirty-two minutes of uh, jibber jabber. Um. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by uh, who? We, who's it brought to you by this week? Uh, who have you got? You, oh, Mike, you got a t-shirt on there? Yeah, oh. I do. Okay, oh, no, we're not, it's a mile not our one. Rocket, what have you got on? What are you wearing? A work one. Okay, um, it's brought to you by King Island Cheese. It's the great cheese that I, I got last was week. Was that you cooking the um, the baked brie? Who yeah. was cooking that? Yeah, me. Yeah, right. Fantastic. Can I get some of that? I had the yeah. uh, the uh, smoked cheddar again on the toasties today. I got some. I went to the office last week and grabbed some, but I haven't had the. Um, I shouldn't say this because I'm supposed. I sell that every day, but I haven't actually had the, the berry baked brie yet, which we we sell. But uh, I think that's going to be a really good one through winter. Of course, that was a a, a joke to say that it was uh, bought here by King Island Cheese. But if you want to bring some cheese um, to the next team meeting, Mike, uh, the the berry it's it comes in a pack. I didn't, you know, like I said mm. to Mrs. Mollegoff. So what's this jam? So it comes with the, it comes with a cheese, really. And I went rifling for the box, and like there's this box, and you cook the cheese, and then you put the berry compote all over it on your yep. bread. Beautiful. Yep. Uh, anyway, there's the food segment. People love it. There's the food segment done. Um, <laughs> last week, uh, last week, last week. Uh, Zurich Classic. Oh, was that you want to talk about golf? Yeah, let's talk about yep. golf. Yep. Zurich yeah, let's make it. Week. Let's make it not too long. To no, nah, won't be long. Boring last week. It was this boring. week will be even more boring. All right, because we've got to talk about Greg Norman. That's right. Yeah, it's exactly That's right. That's the back half. Uh, well, this one's easy. Sorry, Classic was boring. Um, Xander Shoffley was a pairs event. Shoffley and Cantlay paired up. They were the red-hot favourite, and they won comfortably. Um, and it was boring. Nothing really happened. It yeah. was The only thing that happened that was interesting was they shot some ridiculous scores. Um, round one, they had 59, then they had 60 in round three, which, which is some good going. Um, but yeah, they they smashed the field. It was yeah, nothing happened. No, okay. I didn't watch anything because I was too sick. And then we we can go to the LA Open. I watched a bit of it, but the telecast was terrible because they would show like a couple of shots, and then all of a sudden it'd be like this blank space for like ten minutes. And yep. it's like this was really hard to watch. It was really hard to watch. Mm. It was um, yeah. I I I was more interested in looking at the course. I actually thought. Hannah Green might get a lot closer than she did, but um, she didn't. She lost by five. But, yeah, I re- geez, it just comes up again. The Aussies just love that West Coast. Uh, at California, there's Especially if, you got to hit, if, if you've got to be really good with your irons. Mm. Like it's, you know, look at Minji Lee who won there in 2019. She finished yep. T, T, um, T3rd. Yeah. yeah. And if you go down the list, it's all just – Good solid iron players. Yep. No, it was a um. Yeah, it was a, it was a it was a good week to watch. Um, I was baffled by the course because they had a par three as the eighteenth. Yeah, but that's not normal. That's normally the tenth or something. Yeah, yeah. Because so, I think um, uh, I'm trying to remember what it is. It's it's it, they've only they've uh, they've tweaked it by like just a couple holes because I think 16, 17, 18 is now one and two. Yeah. Um, I just remember because I'm not a <clears throat> don't love a par three last hole. What? Don't like don't like it. Oh, I've um, done some of my best it. work on 
final hole par threes. I, I They're great let, in match play. I feel let down. What? Yeah. Like the Lakes in Sydney's a par three last, I think. Oh, that's no offence to the Lakes, but I don't like that as a par. It's not interesting as a par three finishing yeah. hole because it's just bloody long. That, you know, that, that was an interesting par three, but, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I actually messaged um, How about the Monday pin? Oh, the the sorry first round pin first round pin because you got that big kidney shape and it was yeah. parked in the wing was up and it was parked in that front left corner. Oh, oh, I was oh. watching him more day two, and I saw it and Shackelford put something on Instagram, and I wrote to him, "Why is it? What's going on here? Why why are they playing the par three? He's like, oh, they've done this. I'm like, why did they do that? Like I just baffled. And he said they want to get they can get more people around that hole for the 18th hole. So I'm like, okay, I still don't love it. Like you said, if it was a match play, cool, I get it. But no, imagine imagine it was a playoff and they got him going up 18, hitting path. I don't know. Perfect. I don't know. It's even better. Nah, you, I reckon you'd shoot out. I reckon you'd to get a winner. No, it's yeah. a shootout. Closest to the pin wins. I still remember some of my best work in pennant on you know courses with 18th holes, par three. Uh, Barry Montuna has a wonderful uphill par three closer. Um, I remember sealing a two there. Thought- mold, mold club, Tasmania Golf Club. Yeah. Stuart Appleby's very first win, 18th hole at Tasmania Golf Club, 170 metres uphill. He's hit, it was a back left pin onto basically a dance floor. He's hit a four iron into the wind to a foot and a half. Birdie the last for his first professional win in his second start. I can't. Th- I was trying to think of some more. Court- I mean, outside of obviously public court, public that, nine holes. I can't many. think of many. Yeah. Yeah. Kingston Beach down in Tasmania. Maybe it's a Tassie thing. Hold, hold a hold a four footer in the dark with the lights from the clubhouse to uh, win my pennant match. A VB holder. 36, 30, 36 hole final. <laughs> five down with eight to play. Oh, sorry. sorry, I was got to put some music on for you, Rocket. Putting on yeah, a, a little bit of five down with eight to play, and <laughs> hold a four footer on the last to get to 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 square the ledger. Oh dear, uh, have, sounds, my, have my captain coming in to 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 take out Royal Hobart. Sounds far more interesting than my breaking twenty uh, footer to to have the match. To think that I've won the, the whole thing for the club, but uh, Beric uh, Montuna, Beric Montuna is that steep uphill that it's got a pull rope. It's got an electric pull rope. You walk past, you pull, push the button, and the rope pulls you up. And uh, anyway, I sunk this part, and I've gave it, I've given it the double fist pumps. I'm not just, you know, I wasn't very emotional. It's still, still the moment. I'm giving it the double fist pumps. All the teams standing around there, they've all got a can of, um, you know, sponsors product in their hand, probably the third of them because they've been waiting for my match to finish. I'm thinking I've got it, and they're just laughing. They're just laughing at me. I go, what's, going, what's, what's happened? You know, why, why? He said, well, you've got to go and finish this match, and we've already been beaten. Oh Jesus! So I had, to, so we lost four and three, and um, but uh, yeah, no, hey, yeah, no, you made we, the part. I made the part, and yeah. um, yeah, we'd already. No, it was five. It was we couldn't win. My match had had no bearing on it, but I had to go down to the back down the first, and we halved that. Back out to the second, we halved that. Got out to the third, which is the furthest part from the clubhouse. I missed a putt. He gets it. He wins. They've won five and two or whatever it was, and um, and we walk all the way back up, and they're now eight eight sponsors products deep, and I've got to drive them all home because uh, anyway, it was good fun times. Um, all right, uh, PGA Tour. So we've uh, we've talked about the women uh, this week. Me- sorry, go on. I was just going to say yeah, this week Mexico, exactly uh, what I think you were about to say. Is yeah. that right? Yeah, Mexico, Mexico this week. 
Very, very ordinary field, except for oh, John, John Rahm. Yeah, John Rahm's the only one, only one that people are going to be. Uh, Cameron Champ, cheering for. Yeah, no, I think they've they've never been here before. So it's Norman Course, it's Mexico. It's um, I'm sort of done. When I've had a look at it, I've kind of tied in a little bit of Maya Cobra form. It's another Norman Course down that way, but it's all guesswork at the minute. Um, effectively, Rahm's. Rams Tiger odds to win. Like in the betting market, he's five dollars in a hundred and twenty man field. Uh, answers second at nineteen dollars, which is you don't ever ever see that. That that just explains how poor the field is. Uh, we keep talking about the the legend of uh, Jack Newton Junior days, and the Aussies in the field. This re- resembles the Jack Newton Sub Junior Classic. Uh, we've got Mark Ensby, we've got the Snake Charmers, uh, we've got uh, Bads dot com, and uh, and Matty Jones. Matty Jones is, Matt has Jones been a is for some the people. number sixth ranked player in the field. In the field, yeah. A few people have been talking him up. I know that Tool Junkies boys, um, DB didn't mind him this week. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I won't have a cent on John Rahm. I won't be betting him much on this tournament at all. But um, the ones that sort of came up to the top of the lake was Rahm. No shock there. Um, oh, no, he's not playing. Um, Abraham Ansar. Um, Aaron Wise, I don't mind, the original Wise guy. Um, Aaron Rye, two-glove Aaron. And then, you know, Adam Long and Brent, Brendan Todd. Now, if I'm mentioning those two names as people that I don't mind this week to win, that pretty much tells you how good this tournament is. Uh, anything on Inman? Uh, I think he's from Mexico. Inman? Inman. Inman. Probably doesn't even come up there. If he does, he won't have any history, but... I can find out, and while we're while I'm looking for it, people don't forget to put your tips in because your tips yeah, are back this I've week. I've put my tip in, and I'm going to be so excited to watch this. No, I'm not really. I'm probably going to watch replays of um, hot dog eating contests on Ko. Nice. Okay, can't find it, man. Doesn't so mean he's not playing. Who are you tipping? Uh, who'd you tip, Rocket? I've done mine yet, but who'd you tip? Rambo. Rambo. I want to win. Okay. I need a win. Yeah, okay. I need a win. Not not the worst bet. What's I'll the pro- take what's it Aaron Wise. What, what's the prize money? Is it worth throwing a Rambo down for what's it gonna what's it gonna be like two million dollar number one purse? If that? Uh, I don't think it'd be that much, no. but I can tell you it is well the purse is seven point three. Yeah. So yeah, don't know in total. It'll but they like won't one, one, one and a half. Yeah. yeah. One and a half for first. Yeah. It's not yeah. bad down in Mexico. Hmm. We've got to catch the Shermanator. The Shermanator's on seven million, so we've got to catch him. Oh, yeah, so I've got to. I'm just going to have to burn my Bram pick. I have to now. Yep. No, look, you got to use him at some point. You just got to mm-hmm. find if you can find the win. It doesn't matter. Yep. You're not. You're not going to save Ram for the Open. Mm. Uh, country club. He's taking at Tiger the- at the Open. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking the Open. In, yeah, I reckon Ram could go right around St Andrews. Mm. Anyway, doesn't matter. Um, all right, uh, DP World Tour, you, you were very close DP, there. Who, who? Very close. Very close. We won. Yeah. Don't worry about that. That was a, That's paid for um new pair of shoes. Half the, a, uh, so half a min woo? No, it'd be uh, like a fifth. fifth uh, no, no. Quarter it was, quarter it, was, it, was, it was nearly half a min woo. Half yeah. a min yeah. Not bad. But, Not um, bad. <laughs> no, it was good. It was, it, was, it was worth getting out of bed for and staying up late because I watched the Grand Prix, um, which was terrible because – uh, Ricardo crashed on the first corner, 
And then I kept watching and was flicking between the F1 and the golf. And and I am the morning person PGA Tour, so I'm never up that late watching. But uh, Pablo Larrazabal was as fired up like he was playing Ryder Cup. He was fist pumping everything going in. He was on fire. And Otegui uh, was just line and length batting him away. And, um, yeah, I thought, you know what? I'm going to bed. They're on the 11th. I've got the bloke who's leading and the bloke who's coming second. And I'm pretty confident I'm going to wake up tomorrow with money in my account. And I was right. Uh, that was good. Rocket, just to qualify, when he said, I've got enough for a pair of shoes, we know what Mike's uh, shoe style is. And, you know, it's top of the tree, yeah. Air Jordan. So, you know, she's, she's no nibblick with the old frilly <laughs> tongues. So we're, well, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about um, pump golf shoes in a little bit. I promise you. I'd love a pair of those. I can't uh, afford them. Uh, just on, on the Minwoo, um, you know, he was on the Rick Shields podcast this week and Rick yeah. does a deep dive into Minwoo's experience um, top to tail in at uh, the Masters. Uh, it was really good. Um, I've, I'm actually coming around to listening to the Rick Shields podcast. I'm not a big golf podcast listen to it, listener. Um, hardly listen to any, but uh, I've listened to it and it popped up in the car the other day and it was really good. It was good to hear Minwoo. Um, you know, I wasn't upset, but, you know, to hear Rick Seals claiming Minwoo as the, you know, the, the Rick Seals podcast started the Minwoo uh, career, it sort of left a little bit of a burn there, you know, because we all know that, you know, before Minwoo won anything on the European tour, that the My Love of Golf podcast was the pod, first podcast in podcastry that probably had a round with Minwoo. So, but Rick, um, yeah, of course you took Minwoo to play. I'll tell you what, I would have given anything for the camera footage of that when you listen to it. If we thought you were prickly when Mike said something about PK last week. Yeah. When Rick mentioned that, whoo, how you didn't have a car accident, Tiger Woods style, I don't know. Look, uh, you know, I'm never going to be able to promise any one of my um, pro-am, winning pro-am playing partners uh, around at uh, the old course in reverse. Emphasize winning, winning pro-am exactly. partners. Yeah, winning, there's, a, there's been numerous. Um uh, I can never promise them around at the uh, old course in reverse, and you know that's what uh, that's where uh, Rick's and Minwoo's relationship was forged, and rightly so. And uh, but uh, we love Minwoo, and um, it was a great podcast. So go and listen to it if you want to hear Min talking about uh, his experience there, and, and just how excited it was for the young man. Go and listen to it; it's quality, quality young man. And Rick's right into it. Um, Go and listen to it. It's really good. Um, Minwoo, um, we'll catch up with you one day on the golf course somewhere, I'm sure. Uh, anyway, um, Greg Norman, from Minwoo to Greg Norman. Um, this this uh, 30 for 30 ESPN all happened before, well before Minwoo Lee was born. Um, probably Mike in 1996. So, you know, the, the 30 for 30 starts with, you know, Greg's, um, story from a young man right through and finishes with that 1996 uh, Masters scenario. How old were you in 1996, Mike? Uh, I was in uni, so 20, 21 okay. max. Okay, so yeah. so it was in your – were you golfing it, then or not it, really? Yeah, I, I really was just starting to play golf because I'd finished playing footy and was then working in pubs and when you're working in pubs and you've got Tuesdays and Wednesdays off, there's not a lot to do because your mates are all at work, so I started playing golf. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tricky because I know Rocket at the start, you know, or before we started recording, you were talking a bit about people and how your feelings were. And I've heard so many people talk about bringing up so much emotion by watching that. And for me, it doesn't because 
no, this is last week. Ross was going to bash me, and now Rock is going to bash me. I've never been a, a Greg Norman fan. Like I just not. He's just not. He just was not my vintage. Um, so I knew the stories, but what was really good about it was um, a bit more context behind it, and it gave me kind of a different lens. And, and I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was really. I mean, the guy like we talked about before did the last dance. He's he's clearly very good at telling a story, and I thought it was very good. Yeah, for me, uh, listening to um, Jason here talk uh, the other day, you know, one of the things that impressed me was just the amount of time that Greg gave to them in being able to share the story and tell it, you know, like multiple, you know, three-hour sit-downs over dinner um, just with Greg and him and none of, none of Greg's management or mind or type people were, were there. It was just, you know, he had full access to Greg directly, um, really good. You know, I, I thought... I thought the shark came came over. It was a different side of shark that I think we saw in that. You know, Rocket, I don't know what you think, but, you know, I know the story of Greg from when he was a young fella up in Queensland and then in getting taught and then moving to, to Brisbane, playing at Virginia and, and all of that. And, you know, I can't really remember, you know, those sort of 70s Oz Opens and, and that sort of thing. But, you know, seeing the vi- vision there, I've seen that before and it was great to see you know, the names on the leaderboard, W Dunk, you know, Billy Dunk, um, you know, another uh, New South Wales, I had a playing lesson off Billy Dunk. But just to see that uh, Greg playing then and Billy Dunk and all that, just brought back so many great memories of that time. But then the, the, the Masters experience starts with the 86 Masters. And I think when we talked about favourite Masters moments a couple of weeks ago, I recited the 86 Masters as my favourite Masters moment. That was, of course, when Jack won. You know, Jack had some great things to say. Or, you know, it was a good story that he told around, you know, when he met Greg and played in the Masters with him and and sort of tried to calm his nerves and all of that sort of stuff. Um, and then it just went through the, the next uh, period of, of Greg's Masters journey. Rocket, you know, you, you're probably be far better qualified to talk on any of this than, uh, than us. So, um, you know, what was your take on the 30 for 30? It brought up – it opened up a lot of old wounds mm. because – for me, like the reason I'm in the reason I play golf is because of that man. Everyone's heard me like bash him because of what he does now. Um, so I can show I'm not completely biased because I do it to Mickelson and the others. But the shark, the golfer, is the reason I got into the game. And I rode, if you call call it from '86 onwards, I rode every every shot. Like every shot, not not just one or two. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of pain that goes from eighty six to ninety six. A lot of pain, and I and I know it almost off by heart because there is a listener who asked me a few things, and I rattled off basically all the heartache in majors from eighty four through to ninety nine, and. Even though the show was the show centered on the Masters and his, uh, we'll call it what it means to him, but also what it's meant to the game, because it's obviously the side of probably one of the, you can only call it probably the greatest collapse in in golf history, not just the Masters anywhere, because it was like this. You know, they painted the story. I won't go all over it again. It's like the everyone expecting the coronation and, you know, the storytelling behind it, those little bits and pieces in terms of 
all the things that had happened on the Saturday moving into it, which is quite interesting because that flies in the face of what Greg's story was originally because he talked about his back and it wasn't his back because I thought he played all right, but it was just there was these things. And the Masters as well. And there was, I think it was, was it Peter Costas that, Peter Costas made the really, really good point when he talked about, you know, he, he gets, people pull off these amazing things to defeat him, but his play in the final nine or that 18 holes puts himself in that position rather than him closing it and finishing it off. He puts himself in that position. And if they just talked about the masters, um, they did bring up the one which was around the, um, the PGA, but, um, and I remember that one really well. So that's when Bob Tway uh, hold out of the bunker. No, there was, here's, here's the other thing. Um, um, bear with me. Mrs. Rocket's trying to call me. She's in Melbourne. Um, uh, so here's the thing: is it's not just Augusta that has 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 skeletons for him. It's Shinnecock Hills because it's 86 and 95. They didn't touch on 95. 95 was another heart is another heartbreaker. Inverness 86, Bob Tway 93 again. So it's almost like he's gone back to the scene of the crime to try and rectify it, and he's and he's left another. <laughs> there's another murder scene. Now, he, he, he should have won 93 in a canter, but he blew, you know, the one that Peter Costas talked about, he shot 40 on the back nine. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, it was 86 he shot 40 on the back nine. He did something similar in, in 93. It was ridiculous. It's, it's thrown away. And there's heaps of them. I, I, I could go on and on. All the 86 ones, you talk about the 87 Masters, he had the 54-hole lead. You could fast forward into 89 Masters. People, they didn't talk about that one as well. So he was tied with Faldo playing the last hole. Faldo was already in the clubhouse. He's he, all he has to do is make par to make the playoff, and he, he chunks it. And then he chunks his chip and misses the putt and misses the playoff by one. Like then, then you go eighty nine open where he shoots the sixty four in the final round at Troon has a two shot lead with two to play on the four hole playoff. Three putts seventeen and then drives takes driver and drives it in the bunker and then blades it out of bounds. Loses to Kalkovecchia. Like, it's ridiculous. Then you can go yeah. 90 um, open championship against Faldo. T- they're both tied for the lead going 36 holes. He shoots 76. And shoot up, and Faldo shoots 67 in the in the third round. US Open, 1990, he was, he was one back playing the 14th hole, par five. Nearly, instead of going for the green with a three-wood, he tries to lay up like a like that everyone tells him sh- should do, and he nearly hosels it into the trees and makes bogey. I can go on and well, on and we've, on. We've but there's, a- there's, there's, there's like – he put himself – here's the thing. It's like we, he legitimately is a choker. Like it's you, – you don't put yourself in the position of nearly 15-odd majors and walk away with two, you know, and not just coming from behind. We're talking about he had the lead in probably 12 of those. And and you close too, like that's choking, like that's legit choking. But we talked about this one way back. How many times has Faldo contended in majors? Very rarely, but he got the job done. Sure, it was like 
a lot of the times was people basically just, you know, falling over themselves and throwing up in bunkers and stuff like that. So he didn't, except for a couple of them, he took by the scruff of the neck. The rest of them was him just grinding people down until they fell over, which he did to the shark. But he won six. But the thing is, though, he did doesn't have another 10 where he's contended, where the shark, even through absolute adversity, continued to put himself in a position to win over and over and over and over again. And go back. Like, this is the one point that I don't think anyone, I think he's mentally weak but mentally strong at the same time. It sounds really stupid, but trying to get the win done, even though he won 80 times around the world majors, I don't know what it is. But at the same time, think about the adversity that he faced and was and suffered and still continued to put himself in that position. You go this, 86 PGA, Bob Tway holds a mugger shot. The very next major, 87 Masters, Larry Mize holds a chip shot. Like that's back to back. Like show me somewhere else where that's happened. Then you could fast forward to 1990. You have in uh, Bay Hill Invitational. I don't know which one was first. No, it was uh, David Frost was first. Actually, no, goes back. Norman Chips won in at Doral. That was the one where he had that little thing about the oh, don't let these bastards, get, don't let Greg win this thing. That was the one on the clip. So you think, oh, finally, Greg's chip won in. So it's one back. Three weeks later, David Frost holds oh, a bunker shot to beat him by one. A couple of weeks after that, Robert Gomez holds a seven iron from the fairway to beat him by one at Bay Hill. Like, can you, like, it just, if you just put it into that context, it's unbelievable the things that happened to him. Yes, the majors were a lot of his own doing, but even just the tour events, they weren't of his doing. Like, it's just. Uh, it was interesting, you know, the, the events that you talked around 96 when you said, oh, it was, you know, he's back, back, back in the day. But, um, you know, it was good to hear that, you know, he didn't, well, not good to hear, but you know what I mean? Like he, he had learned about his wife, um, Laura, flying up a, a group of his friends on, on the plane. And, you know, as it turns out that the the reason how he found out about it was his pilot, you know, rang him and said, you know, what time, you know, whatever he said, what time do you want me to bring these people around? It was like, hang on, you know, you're flying them up there and I haven't won the thing. And then, uh, you oh know, my God, Costas, that, was, that was the undoing. Costas had to blow up... Um, had the, the chat, you know, which he thought was off the record with another journalist yep. who basically then sort of went out and said, uh, you know, Greg's a choker. And then Greg rang the broadcast. Frank, Frank Chikinigan. Yeah, Frank Chikinigan and said, you know, I'll come down and, and, and get Peter Costas or whatever he said. And, you know, rightly so, Peter Costas says, well, you know, it was off the record. But, you know, if he's worried about that, you know, he's he's got more things to worry about than uh, than me me saying that. And, um and what else was the other one? Oh, and then, then the English journal telling him, uh, you know, not even you could stuff this up, Greg. Um, imagine sleeping on that, you know. Anyway. Oh, it's diabolical. But diabolical. Uh, I think for me that the, the, and Rocker, you know it inside out, but for me as someone very much peripheral to it, you sort of sit there and go, it is a little bit glass half full, glass half empty. Like it's, do you, do you, say how amazing was this guy for how long he was at world number one and the best in the world and getting himself in contention so much, like True. unheard of. 
um, as much as you talk about the fact that all the near misses or the chokes. It's just which one do you want to remember him for, I guess, and that was probably the big thing for me was not understanding um, probably that and then that one thing, the one image that from the whole show was um, was him walking away from um, the first tee at Augusta, walking back solo towards the clubhouse. To the, After the, the ceremonial tee shot? That was like such, such, such good vision. That was just so good. Well, he's on the outside you, of the ropes because, you know, you have to have a green jacket <clears throat> stand inside the ropes. So, yeah. yeah. No, but did you – so have you heard the – uh, the no laying up one with the Jason when he talked yeah. about that shot when they he was watching just the shot not where the ball went yeah yeah and he's like but he was had the video camera trained on the shark and what and noticed that he didn't like move his head for the yeah. shot yeah and it's like they you got to give it to the cameraman to see that and then just go so that just was stay on it was that the I'm guessing that was the Masters with a very, very limited number of patrons because it wouldn't have been the one with no one there. So I'm guessing it was the Hideki win. No, it would have been the DJ, DJ? one 2020, 2020. Yeah. Okay. Because I know that they he said in the, the – Because it didn't um, look yeah. like there were many people around, around no, there. No, it didn't. That was the thing, <clears throat> him walking away by himself for me, just the, the like the imagery and that was just amazing. Yeah. Picture told a thousand words there. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But still, you know, Greg Greg is Greg and, you know, Rocket, he, he was someone that you looked up to and admired and as he was for a generation I of us. Still, still do. Oh, it's my, my, my shark. You know, everyone knows like I'm synonymous with my shark head cover. You know, I'm the boy's – from Old Salty holding on to a bloody tour edition bag for me because I got bought tour edition irons. Like, like that's like, it's just, I can't get away from it. You know, as, as many bad things as the dude might do, I just, it's, he's still part of my soul, my golfing soul. Like, do you think that Greg was one of the, I guess, central reasons why golf has become what it is today? Like, yes. yes yeah. Like, he he commercialized more things in and around golf, in and around himself, outside of golf, that paved the way for Tiger, yeah, who was the next phenomenon of, of a golfing ability sense to be able to take the 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 playbook that Greg has essentially written and yep. then just explode it and and expand it from there. And yeah, it was everything, right? So because like golf in Australia, golf in Australia. Golf in Australia exploded off the back of the shark. You only have to see when he turned up at tournaments. As soon as he wasn't playing in Australian tournaments, that's when we struggled. That's when the viewership struggled and the sponsorship struggled and things like that. He was just purely a bums on seats man, right? It didn't matter where he was playing or finishing. Yeah. When the shark played, it was all eyes on the shark. It's as simple as that. I remember going to a Heineken Classic. Uh, I'm sure I think it was a Heineken because it was at RM and I remember the cars pulling into the car park and we were standing at the range and I think I was watching Ernie Owls or somebody and Shark pulled up in his Holden, his driver pulled up and 50 people just went over to to hit him up for a sign something. Um, it was like, yeah, the Tiger turning up today, you know, like it was just everyone wanted a piece of him. It was unbelievable. 
easily the biggest name there. And and he wasn't the biggest name, you know what I mean? Like at that time, Ernie Oz was probably the biggest name, but Shark was still, you know, he was one people wanted to go and see. And this would have been, must have been mid-2000 something. Yeah, I think it was like 2002. Yeah, right about there. Is that the one where Steve Brax called Ernie Els, Ernie Eels? And Ernie Eels, it would be <laughs> right around there. Wow. <laughs> it had a few too many sponsors' products. Ernie Eels. Ernie Eels. Ernie won, Ernie won uh, what did he win? Nearly every time they run it, the Heineken, he won it. Yeah. <laughs> Stevie Brax. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, he really paved the way for for the commercialisation of the sport and, and you know. Is well, very- it wasn't just that. It was also the, you know, he became – he became, you know, it's the it's the branding, it's the you know being a, being something a character or turning yourself into a brand that you can market and make money yourself. And that's the other thing. It's like he showed them how there was what Jack Nicholas was doing, which was kind of just one of those organic things. But the shark has gone like true to his moniker, you know, attack life, and he's just gone at this thing a hundred miles an hour and showed how. He could take control of his own brand and expand off that and and leverage that as to best of his ability to be able to create opportunities for himself. And he's created a massive career post post golf. You know, I made the comment. You know, someone goes, "Oh, has Shark wasted his talent?" If you put it in a strokes gained parlance, in life, he's plus five strokes gained in life. He's probably minus two strokes gained in talent on the golf course in terms of what he extracted out of it. Mm. But he's ahead. Yeah. He's ahead. And that's why he gets there and he goes, someone goes, got any regrets? Would you like to take it back? There's there's probably deep down, there'd be one little part of him going, I'd trade something to have a green jacket. But at the same time, you know, if he trades it, does, does, does he not have all the other stuff or does something else change that just makes his life a misery? Well, the other part that we, you know, we, we could probably talk about the 30 for 30 and all of those events and, yeah, Rocket, you just once again blow me but more so blow the listeners away with your ability to pull out those uh, bits of information with almanac-like uh, recall on uh, all of those uh, events, you know, and, and he did, you know, he did salute at the, at the, at the Open after some of those events. He did play some golf, really good golf after the 96 um Masters, yeah, he nearly won the Open at two. What was that? Two thousand and eight. Yeah, there was that one. Yeah, but that, anyway. that was yeah. He, you know, he should he should have he should have won the Masters in ninety nine playing um, with um, Jose in the final round. He was tied for the lead with like twelve holes to go, and blew up. Might win the Open this year. Well, we t- we come to talk about commercialization and, and what he's done, and and it's now what he continues to want to do for the golf uh, game of golf. And growing it in his terms, um, you know, Rocket, you, you have got your opinion on, you know, how, well, he's partnered up with Live Golf, and you know that's part of uh, with the Saudi government and the Saudi money and all of that sort of thing. Um, you know, he wants to play at the Open. You know, he's being. I don't think that's going to happen. Is that is that confirmed that it's not going to happen? He. They won't be giving him a special exemption. They've said that the RNA. Yeah. So the only way he can get in is if he qualifies. And I think he's he hasn't said it officially, but I believe he's made it clear that he won't be going to a qualifying, qualifying event. So, and he, know, look, he wouldn't he he wouldn't get close. Is that PR? Is that a, is that a? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. It's just shark being shark. Yeah. 
it's just silly. So we're on the we're on a month away from you know the kickoff of his event in London. Yep. Um, which seems to be gathering. You know, we were joking the other week that he signed Rob, Robbie Garrigus and you know, haha. But seems to be on the cusp of announcing a few other reasonably sizable names. Um, well, for, here's the thing: is it's not going to be so much about who's signed to play; it's actually just going to who's played. Who plays? Yeah, who plays? Yeah. So here's the thing: they're going to he's going to get a lot of the European guys, right? Because they're not really wedded to anything. They'll still play Europe, but they'll the fact that it's being played in London, they're going to play it, hmm. right? And yeah. Especially when you think about the the we'll call it the softness of the European tour in terms of purses and stuff like that, it's going to be a no brainer. And then then you've got Mickelson who's who's already put in his yep. little submission. Um, got Sergio there. I'm pretty sure that Sergio is there. Yep. So Phil can Phil's advisors can leverage off Sergio's <laughs> advisors because Phil has a lot of work to be done. So I don't I don't you know. They've done a lot of work with JT over the last 12 to 18 months. So Sergio's advisors, I think they're going to be on some decent retainers. Anyone <laughs> thinks the prize money for the event's going to be big. Just think about the PR retainer to try and salvage Mickelson's um, reputation. He, he's, in, he's in trouble. Mm. I, I had a, I, I know the reports have come out that they've got 15 of the top 100. <clears throat> I've gone through the list. Mike, I've, I reckon I've got the 15. Mike, have you gone through the schedule of um- – the live golf events and just see where they're sort of. Back. I don't know. They don't have one. Don't they've, they? they, they, they've given us ballpark numbers, right? And dates. The only the only ones that are locked in, or sorry, that they've announced is this one in London, and then they announced this week the final, which is some four man weirdo event in October. Okay. Yeah, it trumped 50, around the fifty million prize yeah. money. Yeah, I think it's um, two and a half times what the players was. I think what's this because it's teams event. It's going to be split. I think it's something yeah. like sixteen million for first place, split four yeah. ways, four it's million a piece. Eight tournament series will feature a four round. Sorry, it's an eight tournament se- series now. Um, the final event will be a four round match play knockout tournament featuring twelve teams competing for fifty million. The winners will share sixteen million, four million each, with second place team splitting ten. And third eight, and they're playing Doral. Not a bad, not a bad four million each for uh, your team. Um, that's, that's bananas. That's that's stupid money. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like we said, we know of the fifteen. We know well, we're pretty sure. Mickelson, Poulter, Westy, Westwood, Sergio, Kokrak, Nah, Pro- Rose, Larry. Oh, I don't know about Larry. I Maybe he'll do it. Um, but then I went through the top 100. You're throwing guys that are playing currently on the Asian tour, you know, Ju Young Kim, Chan Kim, a couple from Japan. They make sense that they might be playing on an Asian tour. And then I sort of had a look at guys like Richard Bland. Richard Bland's, he's in his twilight, he's playing great golf. But if someone said he's a truckload of cash, He'd be mad not to take it. Um, guys like Sean Norris, a couple of um, guys from um, South Africa that are playing on the Euros, who I wouldn't be surprised. But I, I'd be very surprised if, and I know once upon a time there was rumours that it might be Leash, and I'd be very surprised if I had one of those guys sign on. Okay. Well, uh, 
it's going to be interesting to see who does end up filling that field in June at uh, in London. And interesting. Just, just just for your very good memory, Ross Heineken Classic two thousand and two. Yeah, here's the top ten, and I'll give you a couple of notables. Winner Ernie Els, second tied Chuck Fowler, David Howell, and Peter O'Malley. Michael Campbell fifth, Nick Faldo, Stephen Leaney, and Greg Norman tied for sixth. Uh, Greg Owen, Craig Popeye, Perry T nine. Then you got Immelman. Laycock, Wall, Freddie Jacobson, Jared Mosley, Adam Scott, Mark Allen, Scott Hend, so many names. What a fit. The, what, like, the judge. Who's the uh, Who's the judge? David Smale. Right. What a what a. F- I remember being there. I was there. I went to that last day. I remember dig, um, diving in and about the uh, tea tree at Royal Melbourne, trying to cut through fairways um, from fairway to fairway. And Paul Sheehan. Sheehan. I, I remember going because I, I, I'm pretty sure it was there and it was round one. It was Badley, Scott and Rose were all partnered together as these new young kids that were going to be big on tour and Poulter was playing too. It might have been, it might have been mixing a few years up, but I remember following um, Bads, Scott and, um, and Rose around for a long time. That had been like 01. O two, yeah, yeah, I have to look. I'm looking back up, but yeah, because Bads didn't turn pro till. Well, that was O two, so I'll have a look at no one. Two thousand, I think it was, because he won the Aussie Open in '99 as an amateur, and then defended in 2000 as a pro. And Adam Scott didn't. He turned pro in. He only won the Aussie Junior in '95, '97, six. I think he turned. He spent one year at UNLV. So I think he turned pro around about the same time, ninety nine. Okay, two thousand and played in Europe. Well, that was a thing. He went there, and Bad was ready to take on Tiger. Do you remember? Yeah. The, do you remember the crowd at that uh, Heineken? Like there was stacks of people there. There was heaps. Oh, the the one thing. This is this is the funniest thing, right? And I still think about this to today. I don't think it was a Heineken. It was another event I was watching at RM. I think it was RM. My memory is not, not the best of me, but we're following John Daly. And it was in Melbourne, so I knew it wasn't up at um, up at um, Queensland. And we were standing behind him, and he was pitching this ball, over this flop shot over the bunker. And he was trying to get it to hit the, the, bunk, uh, the green and then roll out. And as he hit it, it was going to be short, and I said, get up. And it didn't quite get over and it went in the bunker. And this guy in front of me turned around and he looked at me, angriest man you've ever seen, and he said, it's get down, not get up. It's supposed to get down in the hole. And I'm looking at this bloke like, is this guy joking? He wants to literally punch on because <laughs> he thinks I should have said get down and not get up. My brother and I looked at each other like we're, we're about to come into fisticuffs and punch on with this bloke because oh. I said the wrong thing. And I didn't say the wrong thing. It was so weird. I bet, you he's, got a, I bet you he's got a chipper in his bag. <laughs> Daily, <laughs> no, bloke. the guy that bloke. Daily had about he's, ten packs of smokes the, and about sounds, eighteen like cans of diet coke. <laughs> yeah, he sounds like a chipper kind of guy. Diet cokes and darts. That's all he had. Yeah, that's it. And a chipper. Yeah. Did, did <laughs> and uh, iron covers. Did you go and see Tiger when he was in town in nineteen ninety six at um, uh, Huntingdale? Mm, no, not ninety six. No, it was not, yeah. I think it was ninety six. No, ninety six. No, 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 because he's. 
So you can't no, 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 no. Ninety six. Ninety six was the Australian Open at um, the the Australian, where he finished. So what was the? That what? was his first his pro his first pro event in Australia was the Australian Open in ninety six. Which uh, was that the one elk one? Well, he played it. When did he play at Huntingdale? Uh, that was, I think that was 97, 98. Could be 97. That was the Australian Masters. That was the Australian Masters. One of the last ones they played at Huntingdale yep. before they moved it. Okay. Yeah. It was not, must have been 97. It was Hunting, Masters. Huntingdale. Yeah. It was Huntingdale. And uh, I remember going to see him. I took my grandma. My yeah. Grandma, because my, they, yeah. Because they, I think they, I think they paid more than I think half a million or a million bucks for him to come and play the Australian Open in '96, and then I think they did likewise for him to come back and play the Masters. And I can't remember if it was '97 or it was '98. I think it might have been. It wasn't. It might have been '97. It wasn't '98. Um, I just remember it through relationship years, but um, I never forget the first time I saw Tiger Woods hit a golf ball on the tenth at uh, Buddy. Um, Huntingdale, unbelievable. Uh, gents, anything else we need to cover off? Any other housekeepings? Um, no. Euro Tours is still in Spain again this week. Um, the women's event at the um, at Balos Vedas. supposed to be, I call that one, another one of my events to watch this week. Don't watch the, rather be pulling white hairs out of my chest cup down in Mexico. Um yeah, watch the uh, the women's event. Uh, you can also catch um, the uh, New South Wales Women's Open, uh, which has been played up at uh, Coolangatta Tweed this weekend. And I see that the trophy has been named in honour of uh, Jan Stevenson, which is uh, a very nice... Um, rightfully so. Yeah, rightfully so. We talk about the shark, yeah. you know, we talk about Jan Stevenson and her contribution to, you know, putting Australian golf on the map and women's golf on the map, you know, Actually, just women's golf on women, the map. Yeah, women, I think she was an absolute trailblazer. Absolutely was. Um, and around Very, and, and I don't think she gets the respect for that. Yep. Definitely. It's funny. Go on. I was just going to say, I was looking at the list um, of the New South Wales Open today and, and the person is the, the absolute red-hot favourite. I didn't know who it was. I don't don't know the name. I mean, you, you might know it. I definitely don't know it. Who? What, what was the name? Ma, Maha Stark. Maja Stark. M A J A Stark. She's literally the absolute red hot favourite. Three dollars seventy five to win. I didn't know the name. I mean, I knew a few names: Janeth Wong, um, Cassie Porter. Um, well, Janeth, Victoria, yeah, Victorian. Yeah. She's a, a Malaysian Australian amateur, yeah, as, amateur. As I went down the list, there's a, Stephanie Bunkie's there. A lot of the names I knew. But I didn't know the person who's the favourite. Never heard of them. I'm not saying that they're not the quite right favourite. I, I just wouldn't have had a clue. So she's a L.E.T. player? Must be. Um, yeah, there's a few L.E.T. and L.E.T. Swedish, Swedish professional golf. Yeah, there's a few L.E.T. and L.E.T. access players that have made the made the journey out um, to come and play. But there's, there's a lot of local girls there. Casey Wilde. I met Casey. She's a young girl from Melbourne. Um Katrina, yeah, see, there's a whole heap of names here that I don't know. Katrina Gillum, Maria Harayeth Galveth. I know that name. She's a good player from Spain. Um, the young hmm. Indian lady, Dilawari. Um, Amy Boulden from Wales, great young player. Um, Holly Clyburn. Kirsten Rudgley, she could be uh, worth a dollar each way. Poor. 
she's she's going to be a great golfer. Mm. We've said that before, and we'll continue to say that. Yeah. Uh, Gabrielle McDonald, she's playing Mr. Cut last week. I was disappointed from Gabrielle, Mr. Cut by a shot. Um, disappointing. Uh, Megan McLaren, will she back up? Yeah, it was good to see uh, Megan McLaren uh, win. She she loves it here in Australia. She's won numerous times. Um, good field. It's a good test for the for the Aussie girls to get up against uh, the LET uh, women. Um, so if you want to watch that, it'll be on TV. Coverage, there's, they've got obviously less cameras. It's not PGA Tour level camera uh, coverage, but, uh, you know, Give it a give it a watch and uh, support the women's golf because they're they're playing quality golf. Uh, the women, it's uh, really good. Be interesting to see uh, the course up there. Hopefully, the weather holds out. It's looking pretty good. Uh, whether you're the one that's going to get the uh, bad weather this week, Mike, for the um, not the WPGA but the GMGA. Um, GMGA tour tour final tour final. Interesting interesting time of year to have a tour final at the uh, end of the sort of. Sort it's of, normally it's normally uh, first week of April. But okay. with COVID, we got pushed back. Okay. Yeah. It's normally just before Easter. So basically, you Actually, t- normally Masters week. And then when does it kick back off? So you basically have, have the winter and footy season off, right? Yeah. Well, we do. We have a we have the first round will be the first week of October after the AFL final. And then we play 10 rounds between then and the first week of April. But two years ago, we introduced a one-off, a um, claret jug open championship event so we play it has to be played at a link style course has to be and um you pay your entry fee to play and 50 dollars on top and all that money goes into the pool and we pay prize money from there uh, where's where it at this year moon links open okay i'll right. be on us open weekend so we basically try to find the worst conditions we can get so it's going to be proper open championship style and we play off as far back as they let us play it's one you should be playing down the dunes that'd be the perfect one to be off the blast the dunes is tricky because they well, they they won't let us play off the back at moonalinks the moonalinks back plates they only open up once a month and if we played off that there'd be blokes coming in with 10 points no, but what um, about dunes though yeah, the Junes won't. The Junes on weekends most of the time has um, split tees, two tee times. Oh, it's right. always tricky because most of the time, obviously, they've got a membership base that wants to play Saturday mornings, and we want to play yeah. sort of Saturday and then head back to town and have have dinner. So it makes it too tricky. But yeah, that's always on the rotation at some point during the year. We always end up going the Junes. on the rotor, <laughs> on the rotor, <laughs> on the championship rotor. It's funny we yeah. mix it up. St Andrews it's Beach, yeah, Junes, Moona. Flinders is always as it comes along. Kerr Lewis on the other side and Lonsdale. Or maybe um, a bit of renovated Rosebud, maybe. You know, a bit of haven't played we'll call it the Heathland style, yeah. maybe. No, uh, we and we go everywhere. We go um Gisborne, we've had trips to up to Yarrawonga, we've done a barn boogle trip, we've done all sorts of stuff for the games over ten years. It's been great. And Daniel O'Neill has done a very good job. Diesel listens, so well done, Diesel. Uh, well done, Diesel. Um, how do you get into the GMJs by invites? Like a secret, secret men's got to have another handshake. You need. Uh, it's the same as a normal club. You need three uh, members to put you forward, and effectively, you need to. Um, well, GM stands for Great Men, so it's a Great Men Golf Association. You need to basically be going to play. So we don't want someone that's going to sort of play once in a blue moon. We want you to be involved and get involved. And then if we're going to do things like nothing worse than someone introducing a member and then they play once or they turn up, but as soon as their round's over, they're gone. They don't hang around for the results and things like that. So it's just little things like that that, that the person would need to do. But knowing a couple of people obviously helps because 
it's hard to start with. You, you, you wouldn't have someone that no one knows coming in. Makes it pretty hard. So you have to be a great man. That's the precursor. You've got to, you've yeah. got to fill the GM part. Well, the- <laughs> it's a low base from some of the blokes that are in the set, but yeah. Ah, very good. Uh, gents, as always, it's been an hour and a half of power. Uh, great to catch up with you. Hour and a half. Holy cow. Well, oh, the shark, the shark, right? The shark consumes a bit of stuff. And Sergeant uh, Brennan, so bloody Sergeant <laughs> Brennan, you know, look, he's, yes. he's, he's, you know, he just wind, can't get away. He returns. You wind, wind us up and we keep going. Uh, gents, I'll look forward to catching up with you next week with, I'm sure there'll be some other goings on in the world of golf for the week. Uh, if you've got this far, thanks for listening. Uh, give us a like, share, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Um, Mike's putting some more stuff out on Twitter. So, you know, he put a few video clips out. Mike, you're in charge of that now. Um, you know, that's official. You're in charge of the clipping and uh, sending that out. Uh, Rocket, we need to find a few little uh, extra duties for you. Ross is going to get the list of names so we can draw out a winner for Cheese Week. Cheese I'm week. probably going to be more likely to write, I'll write stuff. That's probably a bit more my jam. Okay. Good. Okay, it's coming together. Um, very good. I've got, I've got one wee rabbit hole really oh, quickly. Oh, hello. For the- everyone, for the listeners, I've become addicted to this guy because he used to be an investigative journalist for Vice. Uh, look up Johnny Harris, but the particular topic is why McDonald's ice cream machines break down. Just watch that one to start with and you'll get the gist of what he does and then just go back to his other catalogue of videos and you'll be hooked. It's great. It is great YouTube watching. Johnny Harris. Johnny Harris. Yep, just look up. Johnny Harris, Mm -hmm. why McDonald's ice cream machines break down. Just watch that video alone because I think that's just everyone's experienced the McDonald's ice cream machine breaking down. I never thought 15 minutes could be so entertaining watching about why McDonald's ice cream machines break down. It's just, it's awesome. And you'll get sucked into the rest of his catalog. Rocket, another nugget of gold for you to drop uh, a bit of bomb work there. Thank you very much. Uh, Gents, women's, everybody who listens all around the world. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week.